like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, sleuths. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. Welcome to It's a Clue a faux crime comedy podcast for wily party thieves. <laughs> so, my sister, today yes. we are discussing The Clue of the Velvet Mask. Mm-hmm. Did you read the book? <laughs> did I? Yes, I did read the book. <laughs> okay, just, just checking. <laughs> wow, you're setting the bar really low for me. I was like, is that an option? <laughs> just making sure, because it was going to be a lot of improv if you hadn't. So. <laughs> I, I did, in fact, read the Did you read the book? I did. Yes, I did. How foolish of me to have asked you that question only to call myself out. It's true. (laughs) Like a purloined letter. It would have have been a real best move. Hidden in plain sight. All right. (laughs) I have a thought for us to ponder. I figured. Hit me. In this book, Nancy Drew and her friends, some might call them the Clue Crew. And by some, I mean we. We call them that. (laughs) (laughs) They go to several costume parties. Uh Uh-huh. They spoken spoken like someone who read the book. Na- Go on. <laughs> Nancy even works for a company that supplies costumes for costume parties mm-hmm. because there are that many costume parties happening on a regular basis in River Heights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with all of that preamble being said, my question for you is, what is your favorite costume you, Kelly, have ever worn on your physical body and why? Snow White. <laughs> Easy answer. <laughs> that Snow was White. so fast. Required no thought whatsoever. Snow White. Say, it was the best costume I've ever had. Say more. How old were you? Mm, it was like roughly the ages of like six to 12. <laughs> Wait, multiple and, Snow Whitings? Oh, I, 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 I wore the same Snow White costume like every Halloween for years. Kelly never grew. <laughs> no, I did. I think mom was just like, you know, putting elastic and safety pins along the back. <laughs> She's like, well, you're going to have to wear a coat anyway. So no big deal. One degree outside and... <laughs> whatever ohio no i i love snow white i saw snow white in the movie theater like obviously not when it was first released i'm not that old but like they they had like a re-release at some point in the 80s and i got to see it in the movie theater and it was the best um and i love her and so mom made me this costume and it had like the big stick up white collar and everything and I loved it. It did. I can picture it. I, I can picture you wearing it. And you always had very dark hair and it was like short and curly. Mm-hmm. You were a very perfect Snow White. Well, thank you. What was your favorite costume you've ever worn and why? You know, it's funny because I wrote this question and I did not think about it. <laughs> I was going to say, are you unprepared to answer your own question? I am, which was <laughs> not my best, my best move. I'm in, I'm in poor, rough shape. Poor, poor, poor planning on your part here. I think, okay. I know what it was. What, you tell Minnie me. Mouse. I did love being Minnie Mouse. I was a huge uh, Minnie Mouse fan. Yes. Yes. I did have one costume. I believe this was in the third grade. In Mrs. Garrity's class in third grade at mm-hmm. Ascension Grade School in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh-huh. Do you want to give your social security number too? One 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 one. So we did this thing called like. Do you remember this? It was like VIP week, and you got a week about yourself every year. 
I have no recollection of that. But and that's for not that surprising. week, each day, people had to learn things about you. And so, like, you would bring a parent in. Okay. One day. And so there was this kid in my class whose name was, I think, Donnie. Mm-hmm. It was. Okay. His name was, I will, actually, I won't say his last name. I remember it. <laughs> and. But, but his social security number <laughs> is. <laughs> and his dad came in, and his dad worked for some sort of like biochemical company mm. and the the way that the parents would always win your favor was that they would bring stuff from their job and sure. he brought each of us like a little zip up like 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 biohazard suit that you would like have to zip into like if you were going <gasps> oh, through an airlock cool. and like it went over your shoes and over your face and then there were safety goggles that came with it and you all got a whole suit like that? Yeah, it was like a little like medical supplies bag and it had that like little zip up. It was a disposable one, like Amazing. you would wear it once and then throw it out. However, I brought this home. Do you still have it? I it's probably a mom and dad's house more. I wore <laughs> it like a thousand times and I loved it so much that I wore it for Halloween one year. With where, where, where just tea for time. Where would you possibly wear a biohazard suit multiple times? around the house just like around the house yeah oh yeah this was Amazing. in third grade i love you so much. and i wore it trick-or-treating that year there are pictures of you trick-or-treating with me and i am wearing that and i wore it with the like protective eyewear that were also tinted and i remember like wow. going up to every porch and everyone was like what are you supposed to be and i didn't know <laughs> But I loved yeah, my like, outfit. Don't worry about it. I loved it. And I think I, I started can, telling people I, I was that. an alien. That is amazing. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. I'll find the mom, mom will, and she will have a photo of it. Amazing. I love that you were so, like, unconcerned with being, like, cute. That wasn't always the case, though. I definitely, I loved being Minnie, and I... I think I was, I inherited your fairy princess costume at one point, and I loved that. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, well, good good question. Snow White and Minnie Mouse hosting today's podcast. Yeah, exactly. Brought to you by costumes. <laughs> uh, so, Karen, I got to tell you, like, in the world of non-costume related content, I, I think I'm about ready to go outside again. <gasps> really? I feel it. Yeah, I'm feeling like the stirrings of unhibernation beginning. I'm not. Yeah, like I I I I I I keep like kind of like walking by windows and 5 minutes later I realize my nose is smushed up against them <laughs> like singing the theme song from Hunchback of Notre Dame. I was I was feeling like little match girl vibes there. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the unfortunately it's still cold but i I'm, I'm about ready to go outside um i really i i have nothing new has happened in my life i stay inside i read my books i go to sleep i wake back up i do it all again i understand although i am now in a card group I'm, i play i play cards i'm gonna need to know more like do you go into mm-hmm. a back room with a password password yes. and there's smoke and if you don't and put there, and there is a armed guard at the door yes I that's what you're picturing. Absolutely see this for you. No, we go to somebody's house and we pet all their cats and then we <laughs> eat food and then, and then we play a very aggressive game of rummy. Love. And yeah. So I do that now. That sounds amazing. Um 
Yeah. How are you feeling in in hibernation land? Are you are you still like fully ensconced? I'm fully ensconced. It, the, my need to hibernate never really goes away. I like I like quiet. I like solitude. But I I too am a Gemini, so I vacillate. Like I need a I need a rager every now and then, and then I go back into my <laughs> into my chamber. However, I emerged this weekend. You did? What did you do? Tell me everything. Well, so I have finally put together the pieces of a puzzle that has been plaguing me ever since I moved mm. to Michigan. Okay. And I can now confidently tell you that I have a doppelganger somewhere <gasps> in Ann Arbor. Really? At least a name doppelganger. There's an, there's another KF out there? And she likes to do all the same things as me. Oh my gosh, this is this is either the dream or the beginning of a nightmare. I'm not sure which. How so, how did, how did you discover this? You know how there's certain places that you go, independent mm-hmm. businesses, local businesses, I do. which should be mm-hmm. the primo places that everyone goes. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, did I assert my opinion too strongly? <laughs> <laughs> Support local businesses. Yep, yep. And you're checking out and they're like, "Oh, are you in our system for our like rewards program?" And you say, "Yes, I am." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What's your name?" At the bookstore and the knitting store in Ann Arbor multiple times mm. now whenever I've said I'm Karen Farmer they have said there are two of you in the system <gasps> and I said well I will identify myself by email address then and then I say that and they're like oh well Karen. it's this one so there is another person That's with my wild. exact name that is frequenting my bookstore and my yarn store Ooh. What do you think? We, ha- we have to find this person. I know. I really want to. And I, my question is, like, what will happen if I meet her? Like, will our timelines merge? Mm, could be. What if she looks like me or I look like maybe, her? Maybe she is you. Oh, my God. Maybe she's you just, like, six months later. I have so many questions. I don't understand how months. the Matrix works. Can you explain it to me real fast? Because N- Not in the boundaries of how much time we have left on this podcast (laughs) good talk i think it's i think it's a matrix situation that doesn't inspire much confidence given you just said you don't know what it is (laughs) i know it's something about a simulation so like maybe your simulation's just like broken apart maybe i'm not real are you not well if you're not real then i'm not real we need to move on okay (gasps) do you have any do you have anything to submit this week for (laughs) recommendation station woo woo um i do thank god because you didn't last week and i was (sighs) upset (laughs) sorry um okay i have two things number one this is the one that i was like uh carrot teasing last time Oh, that yeah. I was like, I haven't read it yet, but I think... I think you call okay. that dangling a carrot, not carrot teasing, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> you, you can choose whether or not to edit that out, but my <laughs> Lord, was that not how that phrase works? <laughs> Glad I could set that, set that clear for you. <laughs> Is this the hardest I've ever heard you laugh? And why is the answer yes? <laughs> um, okay, so well, with that set up, um, <laughs> so I just read this book called <laughs> A Lady's Guide to Mischief and Mayhem Okay, by Amanda Collins. Okay. <laughs> and it is not for the youth. So there are some 
R-rated scenes in this book. But it's great for, like, you know, the adults listening. Um, and it's... It, uh, how do I describe this book? It's um, like a Regency era situation, so you would hate it. I Your know, favorite? But <laughs> it's not my favorite, actually. Like I, it, I, it was a little bit of like it's not the best book I've ever read, but like I found it entertaining enough that I think some listeners here might find it entertaining too. So anyway, it's about you know Regency era lady who actually owns her own newspaper. I won't give any more away, and she starts a column about like a crime column that's specifically geared toward women and how they can like keep themselves safe. Oh, cool. And in doing so, she gets enmeshed in like a serial killer murder mystery situation. And then she, you know, then there's a a hunky Regency era detective involved. And that's where I'll conclude. But there's some definite like Nancy Drew-esque detective moments as we try to solve the, the mystery. I am in. Next recommendation. <gasps> Two. Is, um, I have not watched all of this, but I've watched the beginning of it. And it's a new show on Netflix called Lockwood & Co. I have not heard of this. You will not want to watch it, even though you should. Why? So it's very ghosty. Um, Are they like real ghosts, though, or like kind of cheesy? <laughs> I would say they're like more in the like it's it's real people in it, um, but they're more like Scooby Doo ghosts. Oh, then I can do it. I think you can handle it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like a young adult situation where we're in an alternate reality where like ghosts are just a common everyday occurrence, but they're very dangerous, and so young people who have like developed psychic abilities over the years mm. to like roust these goats out they are like they're employed to go deal with these ghosts and uh anyway there's like a mystery that brews up with two of the young ghost hunters delightful yeah i'm in end of recommendations your turn i don't know that i I'm kind of like you last time. I don't know that I have a great one, but I will say I finally watched The Glass Onion, mm-hmm. which is the follow-on to Knives, Knives Out. Out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I liked it, too. I like Knives Out better, but I did like Glass Onion. Yeah, Out. it was very different than the first one, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. I loved the cast in it. Just so many famous people. So good. Like Ed yeah. Norton is amazing. <laughs> I love Ed Norton. <laughs> Kate, what's her name with her beautiful mm-hmm. face? And my favorite person ever, Janelle Monet, is phenomenal in this movie. Yes, big time. I loved it. Um, it was yeah. I I I need that series to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I, like, I really love the trope of like it's a closed room mystery, but it's like we've all gone to this like remote island with luxury mm-hmm. and chaos ensues. Like, give me that all day, every day big time I'm, I'm totally with you also if you like that trope that i just mentioned everyone watch the menu it is so good mm. it's on my list it is so good i do have a recommendation okay watch the menu right. the menu <laughs> now we know knowing's half the battle indeed the more you know um do you want to tell us a little bit about the velvet mask situation <laughs> yeah, i do nancy drew book intro section it's what we're here to talk about 
this book, The Velvet Mask, is book number 30. Unbelievable. You have just read your 30th Nancy Drew book. How do you feel? <clears throat> wow, you really hesitated. So <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've read 30 Nancy Drew books. <laughs> I, I feel no more equipped to solve a mystery than I did 30 books ago. That is not a glowing recommendation. <laughs> that being said, though, I don't know that this is meant to be a how-to a how to type of situation. Yeah. A tutorial so. guide. Yeah. That's fine. No, I mean, it's fair. Notably. Yeah. Anyway. And I hate to say this. This is the last one that was ghostwritten by our friend, our sister, the woman who began this journey, Mildred Wirt Benson. Aww, this is the no. last we will hear of her tippity-tappings on the typewriter. <laughs> Oh, that's so sad. I know. I know. Okay. You you eulogized her nicely, though. <laughs> Can you put that on my tombstone? Tippity tappings on the typewriter. Tippity tapping. Karen. No longer shall we hear her tippity tappings. 1985 to 2134. I was like, that's not long enough. I've been cryogenically frozen. Okay. I could have lived for a <laughs> billion like... years. Okay. Anyway, cool things to know about this book. Actually, one yes, cool thing. Yes, please. So... There was an entire edition of these books released in 1959, which I did not know about until literally today. They were called the Nancy Drew Readers Club edition. Oh, had never heard of it. Yeah. And so, like, I'm very familiar with, like, the flashlight editions. I've also seen, you know, Sans Dust Jacket, the brown books mm -hmm. that had the covers folded on them. This is a totally different edition that came out pre-60s. <laughs> and... It's called Nancy Drew Readers Club, but most people refer to them as the cameo editions because okay. there's a ribbon down the spine that's a cameo of Nancy's face kind of hanging off of this colored ribbon on each of them Weird. and on the dust, okay. ja dust jackets. Um, there were 12 of them issued altogether, not in sequential order. It's like a random smattering. I know the first four are in there. But the reason this came up is because the one that was printed on the cover of this box set was Clue in the Velvet Mask. Interesting. Yeah. So it's the first four and then some other ones, which no, makes sense because right they cool. really don't need to be read in sequ sequential order at all. They really don't. It is not. It is not required. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, they're really pretty. And so that yeah. um, is kind of the final point this edition or th this box set special edition series had a unique illustrator named Polly Bolian that was hired and they had her redo all of the covers for them. She made the art for the box set. Um, she did special art for just the insides of these. Um, there were targeted ads for girls eight to 15 years of age, which I thought was interesting. Um, that was kind of the age Aww. range they were. Eight to 15. Segmenting, yes. And um, these are apparently very rare. Like, I don't know that I've actually seen one of these books in the wild. I don't think I have either. I'm looking at one now on eBay, though, for $20. So. Yeah. And oh, and the, yeah. the illustrations are in color. That's cool. Yes. And the, co the covers are very cool. Like, legit. Very cool. These are very cool i'm gonna have to keep an eye out now like i kind of want to get a print of one of them and like put it on the wall like i yeah i like to gaze upon them they're very pretty <laughs> i like to gaze upon them. <laughs> so that's what Barely. i know that is that's that's, that's what i learned 
That's that's some great insight, Karen. Thank you. One might say that well I done. sleuthed for that information. You you did sleuth for that info. Slash Very I, cool. Slash I Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> and by sleuth, I mean Googled. Um, well, I would like to tell you about our one sentence plot contest for this week. Oh, I would love to hear about it. This is the part where one to two people gain international permanent fame and mm-hmm. glory. Yes. All the bragging rights forever for the internet. Yep. Forever. Yep. So in this week's one sentence plot, we were addressing a cover with a description thusly. <laughs> I don't know how to use words today. I Nancy, loved it. Thank you. Nancy is holding a Spanish dancer dress and fan. And behind her is a pair of eyes just like staring at her from inside a very creepy full-headed black bag. And they continue to refer to this full-headed black bag as a mask in this book. That would be our presumably velvet mask on the cover. Yes. Um, So that's what's happening. Um, And Karen and I have chosen a winner and a runner-up. So do I get to say the winner? Yes. Drum roll. (laughs) Announcement. Our winner this week is at Nancy Drew Animated, who said, Nancy gets the surprise of her life when returning a boa to Mrs. Abernathy's Abernathy's dressing room. When the actress said she needed to put on her face, she really meant it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well done. Love that. Good job at Nancy Drew Animated. I also like the, the, the throwback to Mrs. Abernathy. Absolutely. Like we we went well back in the hymnal for that one. That, <laughs> the hymnal that leapt out at me as well. Yeah. Bonus points. Uh, so who did you select as the runner up? I selected I think this is the first entrant from this person because I do in fact know him in real life and I was very Ooh. delighted to see that he submitted. Um, this is at Cutter Pops. What's up, Jim? And Jim did Jim Jim did not entirely follow the assignment and that this is not a plot summary however he did do what we do when we name each of these episodes (laughs) and give the book a name based on the cover (laughs) yeah which is oh so did he name our episode for us I think so and he named it Nancy Drew and the sentient amorous unwashed bath towel Which oh, I read, that's I read that, and I laughed, and I was like, "That's really funny." And then I looked at the cover again, and I was like, "That is also very accurate." <laughs> very accurate. Very accurate. Oh well, well done, Jim. Thank you. And at Nancy Drew Animated, who yeah. won the whole kit and caboodle, which is <laughs> fame, glory, no cash prizes. Well, to be clear, no more stalling. I know you're not looking forward to this. I would like to announce that without further ado, it's time for today's super fast plot overview. <laughs> and thank you. I will say this is a combo of Wikipedia overview stuff that I pulled, but then I also had to correct some things because it was wrong and then it was too short. So I added things. I took a lot of artistic license and anyway, I can't take full credit. Um, but it's going to be great. Last time I read the super fast plot overview, so I'm forcing you, my dear sister, to read it today. Well, I would, Karen, I would love to. Would you? I'm ready. Oh my God. Congratulations. Uh, this, I'm stunned. Usually you're like, I'm ready. Okay. All right. I'm going to count you in. Okay. Three, two, one, tap dance. 
As the story opens, Nancy and friends attempt to thwart suspicious, masked partygoers from stealing valuable objet d'art on display. At the party, Nancy finds an odd black velvet hood, which she retains as a clue. Most of the guests are wearing simpler, smaller masks, as the evening is very warm. Her acquaintance, Linda, who is an employee of the Leitner Company, is suspected of wrongdoing. At subsequent Leitner events, Nancy encounters other thieves and is nearly suffocated by an evil pair of crooks. Nancy and George rent wigs to switch identities, hashtag twinning. However, George is kidnapped and is put under the influence of hyp hypnotic, mind-altering drugs. The crooks threaten her into silence and she is so afraid that she is paralyzed by fear, refusing to help in the investigation and urging Nancy to stop. Nancy focuses on the executive assistant at Leitner's, Mr. Tombar, while she attempts to decode mysterious numbers written on the lining of the mask. She realizes that the numbers actually mark dates of events at which robberies are scheduled to take place. She starts attending each event in person as a detective and as a favor to Mr. Leitner. She encounters thieves at a wedding, a musicale where, she nearly where they nearly smother her, and a lecture. Finally, Nancy attempts another masquerade as a coat check girl, and she stops a robbery in progress, capturing a female member of the gang. Nancy and Bess investigate the ramshackle Blue Iris Inn in the nearby countryside, trying to find out why Peter Tombar owns the property and what secrets it hides. On a hunch, she and Bess take an impromptu visit while talking with the recovering George Fane and fall victim to the evil Velvet Gang. Only paranoid George knows where they are and can identify the clothing last worn by Nancy. George must overcome her mental breakdown and get on the case when the girls fail to return. It turns out the Velvet Gang is in cahoots with a stock boy at Taylor's department store by the name of Snacker. Snacker is using his shipping and receiving powers to collect packages. <laughs> I love when you haven't read them before you have to read them. <laughs> <sighs> Snacker is using his shipping and receiving powers to collect, package, and disperse the stolen items for each of the parties. Nancy and Bess get locked in the shipping and receiving department, but successfully use a children's chemistry set to create a fake fire. They escape, and with the help of the police, take down the Velvet Gang. Nancy receives two Egyptian masks as her reward, one for displaying and one for masquerading in. Bess dubs Nancy the Queen of Mystery, and George vows to never ever twin with Nancy again. The end. Applause, applause, applause. Per perfect summary, Karen. That was so well read, also, with no... Thank you so much. ...pre-planning. There was no pre-reading. That was a cold reading. It's the best I could do. I love that's I love doing those, uh, writing those when I know you're going to cold read it, because I plant little things to try to make you laugh. <laughs> and it did. Like the shipping and receiving department. <laughs> shipping and receiving powers. <laughs> okay, Karen. Now that I've gotten through that super fast plot, courtesy of you, would you like to share with me your general thoughts and musings, please and thank you? I can I can do that if if it's important to you and the listeners. Does anyone care about me? I just need to know people care about me. Karen, we demand <laughs> your general thoughts and musings. No, you don't. You're just saying that. To the be people nice. want what they want. Uh, okay, well, if you're going to pull I'm my gonna leg. Tor I'm going to twist it out of you. I would say that largely this book was a fine book, and by <laughs> and by fine, I mean it was fine. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Um, <laughs> it reminded me a lot of the very first Nancy Drew book, if I'm being 
honest really I, I don't know it reminded me of secret of the old clock in that it wasn't like cinematic at all i found it very cinematic we just we're not like traveling anywhere we're stuck in river heights there's no like high-speed helicopter chases there's no river submarines there's no like hot army corporals riding in on a land horse to save the day like i don't know it was just like some burglaries are happening in river heights let's go around and see if we can catch someone it's a that's fair and, and I, I take your point and you know that's fine sometimes i'm not saying that everything should be cinematic in fact i often it doesn't always have to be international mystery i often ding those books for being too cinematic so like really what it's i'm true. saying is i just can't be made happy <laughs> by anything but you know like it was it's, fine it, it's funny because i liked this one so much more than the last one and you i think like the last one way more than this that's one. true i did ski jump yes i loved the ski jump I don't understand. There was a, I think I was just in a bad mood. That's that happens when I read the ski jump. I get it. I think it. I think my bad attitude tainted my whole experience of that book. Also, we don't want to look at snow right now, and we were confronted by snow at every turn mm, in that book. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's like no more snow. Well, what did you well, think? I'm sorry, you thought it was just fine. It's fine. No, I listen. No sorries needed. It's true. Sometimes, I didn't write it. sometimes you get a dud. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a day. So, okay, I won't say that it was, like, my favorite of all time. Like, it was not. I hear a butt coming. I will say that in the land of general thoughts and musings, while I was generally displeased that, like, I, I literally had the actual thought while reading the end of this book, like, is it just an investigative technique now that we allow ourselves to be captured and then the rescuers get the criminals. Like, is that just the plan? Fair you know? question. So while I was annoyed that yet again, Nancy gets taken. I love that she was able to, like, turn the tables and get out of that situation herself. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I'm not saying it's the only time this has happened, but, like, it's one of a handful of times I can think of where she doesn't have to get rescued. That's so true. That is a really good point. Yeah. So I I enjoyed that. That has Um, added a feather in the cap of this book for me. Thank you for sharing that. Hip, hip, hooray. (laughs) Huzzah. Um, Also, then we called for assistance, which, good call. So, yeah, double huzzah. Um, Should we talk about our favorite parts? I would love to do that. Did you have any favorite parts (laughs) in this mediocre book i did i'm gonna start with the general lexicon of this book which we have not talked about for a while we haven't yes we used to have an entire segment on Uh the lexicon of nancy drew we did and then it it wasn't very interesting for a while yeah there wasn't anything new but there was in this one you are correct yeah like the i thought there were i feel like we jumped forward two generations yes there were some epic one-liners. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that left out, and I know it left out at you because you texted me also when you <laughs> read it, was that at the first costumed event, Ned mm-hmm. joins Nancy. I believe he is meant to be dressed as a pirate. Uh, he, he's supposed to be like the the Spanish 
male dancer, mm. like her her counterpart to her Spanish dancer. Okay. What I took away from the illustration is that he is wearing the puffy shirt from Seinfeld. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> which made me really happy. That illustration is 10 out of 10 sick. Uh-huh. I love it. Yes. <laughs> and and he had the same reaction as Jerry Seinfeld did to the puffy shirt. Like, n- not thrilled. Uh, y- yes. And he comes down the stairs. Uh, what she's all that style? <laughs> yes. <laughs> to reveal his new his new Luke to Nancy. She's all that. And style. he says, "How do I look?" And poses, and she goes, "You look cool, Ned." Which yeah. And suddenly it was the seventies. I was like, "Cool." We can say cool. Yeah. Nancy said cool, and but also it kind of felt like a diss. <laughs> It, a little bit, and I was like, "What? It, what does she? Yeah, like, what does she think that means?" Because like now, if somebody's like, "How does this look?" and I just say, "Cool," kind of like earlier, you just said, "Cool, cool, cool." You know, like, yeah, yeah, not a net positive in and of itself. So yeah, maybe we're reading too much into it. Mm-hmm. We're we're putting too much of our 2020 spin on it. But okay, next example, lexicon of Nancy Drew getting mod up in here. Uh huh. George is kidnapped. The kidnappers think she is Nancy Drew because she is dressed like Nancy Drew with a Titian-haired wig and with a, Titian wig. a piece of luggage that says, what does it say? Nancy Drew on the outside. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so they're like, must be Nancy Drew. Let's grab her. Clues point to yeah. this is Nancy. Twinning, as we stated in the one sentence plot, one sentence plot overview. And okay. the driver of the car says, a car is coming. Let's get rid of this babe and scram. <laughs> Which, yes. Yeah. Like loved it. Yep, I like. Not only do we have a babe, which also feels like a flash forward in time, uh, but we've got to scram. Get this babe and scram. Yeah, scram. And then there's also a great quote in this book. You have noted it here that simply says goodbye, Snooper. (laughs) That was my favorite part of the whole book. (laughs) Would you like to regale our audience? I laughed till I cried. The context for goodbye, Snooper. Basically, one of this criminal gang is like, you know, think they've foiled Nancy once and for all. And, you know, she I think it was one of the female criminals is like as Nancy's being carted off in ropes or whatever. She looks at her and goes, goodbye, Snooper. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, she's like put a little special sauce on that sass, too. I like that lady. She was one of my favorite villains so far. I don't even know if we ever learn her name, but she's this very like dark haired. I picture her with like a smoky eye Mm -hmm. and she's very sarcastic. Yeah. And she's not afraid to get into like an altercation. No, she gets in many a scrumble. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. Definitely a scrumble cat for sure. <laughs> yes. So I would say my first favorite thing is the lexicon. We got cool. We got yeah. Get rid of this babe and scram, and we got goodbye snooper. Goodbye snooper. Loved it. I maybe maybe we should reconsider our tagline sign off. Goodbye snoopers. Goodbye snoopers. Happy snooping. <laughs> there you. Go. Ooh, I kind of like it. I'm gonna say it at the end. Will we remember? Me too. Yes listen to the end everyone um, you're done <laughs> You'll... will we remember probably not probably not <laughs> <laughs> okay what is your first favorite thing okay it's the entire kidnapping situation of george of george tell us let me more. tell you why 
Okay. So part of this is like a complaint and part of it is like a love. Okay. But all in all, it accumulates to my favorite part. So a yuck and okay. a yum, as some might say. A yuck and a yum. There you go. <laughs> so the long story short is, is that Nancy gets a telegram from her father, Carson Drew, who's like out of town staying at a hotel somewhere. Yes. And even though she knows that he is going to be home, checked out from the hotel and home, he sends her a message and says, you need to meet me at the hotel and bring that mask that you found because I've figured something out. You, you need to come here. The mask, which for those of you that don't know, is the linchpin clue to this entire case. Correct. That Nancy has borrowed from Very the critical. police department. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Okay. So, going back to the kidnapping scheme. So, Nancy knows this telegram is fake. Like, she immediately smells a rat. Immediately. And she even, like, suspects it so much that she calls the hotel to see if her dad's checked out yet. Well, her dad hasn't checked out yet. And instead of thinking, like, maybe he just hasn't checked out yet, she goes, well, it must be real. And she goes, I'm going to take my clue my, my police evidence and get on a train all by myself and go out of town. Period. <laughs> I'm like, I think that's end, the end of, of the sentence. sentence. <laughs> end of sentence. George and Bess are like, we don't love this idea. Hannah is having a full meltdown. So George and Bess go, we'll come with you. And George has the idea... <laughs> I'm Karen's editing my typos live in the document while I'm reading it. It's making me I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm a little, no, that was perfect. I'm a little Thank bit right brained. No, no left brained. Left brained. So <laughs> I don't know the difference. Um, so George is like, I think this is a trap, and I think it's a bad idea. I think somebody is going to mug you on this train for that piece of evidence you have. So what we're going to do is, instead of not just going, not going at all, which would have been my solution. Correct. And let's pick up the phone and call your dad. Um, George is like, I'm going to go in a Nancy suit. And <laughs> Nancy that suit. way, you, Nancy, will be quote unquote, mug proof Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it works beautifully because nancy does not get mugged but george gets kidnapped and almost murdered and almost murdered so i feel like this was a poor solution because it's like we know someone's gonna get whacked Mm -hmm. better me than you nancy like what a selfless friend i'd be like best of luck (laughs) yeah thank you like if you want to do this dumb thing I don't know. Wear a blonde wig yourself. Like, <laughs> you look different. Um, yes. You you look different. I don't need to look like you. So uh, anyway, like that was my my yuck. And I will I will tack onto the fact that they actually call George's parents and are like, this is the plan. And they're like, sounds great. Like there's full parental sign off on this plan. There's not like. 
I need, I need this to be more realistic sometimes. Like I need for there to be like a triple lie going on where like George is like, oh, I'm spending the night at Nancy's house. And Nancy's like, hey, dad, I'm spending the night at Bess's house. And Bess is like, hey, I'm spending the night at George's house. And then they all get on a train and like get kidnapped off of it going to Chicago. Right. Like, oh, we that's have, what needs to happen. We here. have veered into it would have been awesome if territory. And I we have. I'm so sorry. Completely agree. Don't apologize. It's just not believable right. that yes. these parents would allow them to do this. Yeah. 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 Um. Here's the part that, so George gets napped right off the train. <laughs> Nobody screams. George gets apostrophe napped is how she does. Kelly napped. has read this and I am yes. slain. George gets napped. She gets drugged with like some kind of like breathy any kind of drug. A smelling which, salt. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know that, yeah. that this could do this kind of long-term damage, but what do I know? So... Um, nobody screams. Nobody asks for help no. amongst the others on this train. Nancy, they just allow her to be carted off. They see it. Nancy and Bess witness this occurring. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, God. Oh, God. They're taking George. Oh, no. We should get off the train, too. At no point do they be like, kidnapping in progress. My friend well, is please being stop. stolen right. away. Yeah, you're right. You're right. She's being napped. So anyway, um, here's the part that I found really interesting in this book. In the yum category. After George is found and rescued, she does not immediately bounce back with, like, the vim and vigor that we normally come to expect from George. True. Our CrossFit champion, George Fain, is That's right. a wreck after this. She is a mess. Like... And understandably, I think if I had been drugged and kidnapped and, like, left tied to a tree along the side of a, you know, dark desert highway. Cool wind in your Thank you. Hair. Thank you for going there with me. Warm smell of Kalitas uh, rising up in the air. I'm sorry. Yes. We are going to get sued by the Eagles. We do not have so... the right to Hotel California. <laughs> Please don't tell anyone about our podcast. We are going to get sued by the Eagles. Um, she, like, is not okay. Mm-mm. And for the rest of the book, she basically is like kind of kind of like a traumatized mess. Uh, she's begging Nancy and Bess not to keep investigating. In and out um, of consciousness. Yeah, she's she's very lethargic. She won't get up and do anything. She certainly won't go investigating with them. No. And I don't know if you responded the same way I did, but I was like, this is the most real response we've ever had out of any of the Clue crew when something traumatizing has happened. I love that you said that. I had the same reaction to this, and it made me look back at the previous, we know this to be true, 29 books that we've read, mm-hmm. where multiple things happen in each book that, like, go far beyond oh that would have really ruined your day to like years from now I will be speaking about this event and I cannot believe that happened to me and I survived way correct like these these are like I survived moments but they never react that way right right normally they just get right back up on the river horse and like keep chasing whatever criminal it is. Carson buys Nancy a new convertible because eight men in a moving truck ran the first one off the road and she almost drowned in a river. Like, yes, we just move That's on. Exactly right. And we didn't in this book. We did not. Very astute assessment. Thank you so much. I took a really meandering path to get there. It was valuable to me, Thank you. to everyone that's here. Thank you so much. 
Uh, it's your turn. Um, Bess Marvin. Mm. Chef's kiss. Let us discuss yes. Bess Marvin in this book. I would love to. I almost said in this film. I do that often. <laughs> I'm mixing up my mediums. My media? Anyway. Your, your media? Bess is <laughs> so bad at being on the Clue Crew. To the She's point, terrible. Like, to the point that in this book, I would start to be the friend that was like, maybe we should begin to tell her about these escapades after they have concluded. Correct. Yes. I, I'm not sure that Bess is a value add to she, the team. So, per usual, Bess is, in fact, a voice of reason many times and is like, this seems like a bad idea. I don't think uh-huh. we should do this, which is 100% directionally correct. It is a bad idea. It's completely correct. And they are so mean to her because they basically just like go, shut up, Bess, do it anyway. And she's like, okay. LOL, don't be such a baby. And and then they get kidnapped. Yes. And thrown, like duct taped and thrown into a loading dock, you know? Like, well, Bess was right again. She never gets credit. So like, is she right? Absolutely. However. (laughs) Once they're in the sitch. One, yes. She's not helpful. Once we are in medias res, the <laughs> chaos is ensuing. The baddies are knocking at the door. Bess, Bess has the instinct of like, I, I can't even think of a metaphor. She has none. There is no. She has no. There is no survival no. instinct. So like, for example, uh-huh. Nancy and Bess, as you mentioned in the plot summary, get completely like tied up like hogtied and thrown in a basement of an abandoned house mm-hmm. and Nancy is like Houdiniing her way out of these ropes to try to save them and like tiptoeing around and Bess is like I think we should scream <laughs> and Nancy is like first of all <laughs> for, let's let's evaluate this option for, okay. for why there uh-huh. we are in the middle of nowhere in a basement in an abandoned house second <laughs> of all why? you know who is around the guys who tied us up you can he- literally hear them walking upstairs so like uh-huh. all you're gonna do is let them know that we've gotten out of our gags if you scream yes like she's like let's alert them to the fact that we are now a cognizant and be free and nancy's right. like please no. don't Please, please. Maybe we Shh. maybe we should not do that. <laughs> and like, if I'm being completely transparent, uh, why would you not be about the three individuals in the Clue Crew, Nancy, Bess, and George? Mm-hmm. This would also be me. Like, I don't know what to do in this situation. So I'm not throwing shade. No, it's not judgment. It's just an observation from an analytical standpoint. It's like. I don't think Bess is your strongest asset. Yes. I don't know that I would be like time sensitive, sleuthing situation, potentially dangerous Correct. as a foot. I'm going to pick Bess I'm first for Bess. my team. Probably not. Right. And yeah. I hope that if I ever have a Nancy Drew as a friend, they wouldn't pick me first for the team because I am also no, a bad I would choice. Be, I would be begging them to not pick me. Yeah. Like, you know what? You guys go do that. I'm going to be at home and I'll make a pie. So if you survive, you can have some. We should make a, an image for our Instagram that is leaving Nancy Drew on red. And it's like all of her text messages at like one o'clock in the morning. 
saying yes. meet me at the blue iris inn and it's just on red blue iris inn <laughs> it's the first right after the water tower 18 miles outside of river heights bring a flashlight i'd be like mm, i'm gonna pretend like i'm asleep right now like right absolutely not no no thank you no um yeah so bess i i love her i relate to her I love she her did too. a real bad job in this book and i was like my sister <laughs> it's me yeah. yes very relatable content yes. from Bess yeah. and from George, frankly. Uh, completely. You know what? I really liked this book now that we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> we're changing your mind. So I liked that Nancy was like, like every book that goes by, she is a little bit more on the force. Yes. Like she on, on the River Heights Police Department force yeah she's part of it so in this book um they actually sign out evidence to her which i find extremely unbelievable and yet amazing so like the this big piece of evidence she finds at the first crime scene she's at is this velvet mask and she goes to captain mcginnis his name is mcginnis it's still mcginnis kelly you can never remember sorry i can't remember it um captain mcginnison is like I really think I could move mountains if you just let me keep this mask. And he's like, sign here. And she goes, thank you, sir. Um, but like, so also that was amazing. before they have even looked at oh, it. No, they haven't even looked They're at it. They're just like, I don't care. Best, Yeah, have it. Yeah. Um, at one point, she goes to Captain McGinnis and goes, hey, um, I need to investigate a few things this weekend, but I don't want to do it by myself because my friend George has been kidnapped and uh, she's still recovering and Bess is useless. So do you think you could, like, provide me with some police backup for my investigation if I need it? And he's like, absolutely. My people are your people, Nancy. (laughs) Um, And then, like... We continue with, you know, last book was an anomaly where we had this, like, little fresh-faced, you know, speeding cop who's like, who the hell's Nancy Drew? Um, But, like, everybody knows her in this book. All the detectives know her. And we've got this one consistent detective in this book, Detective Ambrose, who is being... I Like, normally I would say I find his use of the royal we to be a little condescending, and maybe taking taking over much credit for Nancy's work. However, he didn't have to give her any credit. So the fact that he's like, he's using this royal we and our and like, like he's her successes are the River Heights Police Department successes in this book, and I thought that was interesting. I love that. I was yeah. a little skeptical of him. That's another word I used to mispronounce as a child. Last last episode, I admitted to thinking Q was pronounced Quayway as a child. <laughs> I also grew up thinking it was skepetical, which is yeah, just an extra e in there. I was I was very skepetical of Detective Ambrose at first, but Why? I I don't yeah. know. He just he had bad vibes. He had right. bad vibes, and he did yeah. not like that she was on his turf at first. But I agree. I think that he did. Yeah, he came around quickly. Get himself in line and was like respect i i definitely think he realized that he if he wanted to be on the winning team he he better align himself with my girl nancy fair bandwagoning is a real activity yep that is exactly right so yeah did you have any other favorite parts um we should talk about 
the Velvet Gang. Oh my gosh, yes, please. And I love, I okay, because I know you and I know your love of Home, home Alone. Uh-huh. I immediately had the same reaction that you did. Did you? I was like, this reminds me. So I was picturing the Wet Bandits from Home yeah, Alone. Yeah, it's straight up the Wet Bandits. They were so, like, they thought they were so clever and had such a good plan, uh-huh. but they were so kind of, like, bumbling, Disney yes. villainy, like. Well, like, they were, just like the Wet Bandits, they were overly committed to their gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that was the thing that was making me laugh, like. Okay, well, everybody's figured out that you're going to be disguised with a velvet black mask. And yet, because you're like, but we're the velvet gang, you're going to keep wearing the disguise that everyone knows you're going to be wearing. Yes, and I would argue that, okay, have I ever been to a masquerade ball? No, I have not. Do I know? No, but I want to have one now. I know I want to go to one. So if you're having one, please invite us. We will absolutely attend. It doesn't matter where. Yeah, we'll come. We will, we will I'll be, be there. Snow White. <laughs> I'll be a person in a hazmat suit <laughs> <laughs> with security goggles on. But, like, a masquerade ball mask is not the equivalent of wearing a velvet sack with two eye holes cut out over Thank your you. head. So Thank you. I would think that they, they would were stand out like quite a sore thumb. Noticeable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Nancy's wearing a beautiful, like, half mask with peacock feathers. And this guy's just wearing a velvet balaclava. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder who the criminal mastermind is. And no one figures this out after 18 local robberies. There were also some other things that, like, they they were, like, quintessential bad guys in this book. Like, like the, the... the quote goodbye snooper is like so quintessential like you know mocking bad guy like four seconds before they get nabbed um but rolling nancy up in a bunch of coats in the coat check room to suffocate her was the best illustration i've ever seen in my entire life yes audience picture this if you will and you don't have to because there's a drawing of it but 1945 we have nancy drew that's a golden girls reference (laughs) thanks for being a friend we also don't have the rights to that, Karen. Oh, God. <laughs> We're out of business. This is our last episode. So Nancy, like, busts into the room where, you know, you go to a party and they're like, throw your coat on the bed. And the criminals are in there. They throw her onto the pile of coats and then wrap her up as tight as they can in the duvet on the bed with all the coats. So she's like a little coat duvet burrito. She's like burrito. the chorizo inside of it. And she's like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And then they're going to smother Kate her, hear a sound, and run off. And then her burrito unfurls. And she's like, that was a close call. Her burrito unfurls. Oh, my God, Karen. It's exactly how it went down. It is. Yeah. It was well, well described. Not how you want to go, Kelly. <laughs> I, it's, it is not how you want to go. Mm-mm. Because you would feel like a dummy the whole time you were gasping for breath like is this really it this is it like this seems like a really dumb way to die a bunch of down from this north face jacket Mm. in my mouth and watching my life flash (laughs) before my eyes you went to a north face jacket man (laughs) it's trying to give it a modern twist just keep it like it keep it current speaking of modern twists this is the last thing on my favorites list 
I think I texted you about this five seconds into the book. Um, the very first place the first crime occurs is at, I call her Rich Gloria's house. <laughs> Rich and, Gloria, yes. And Rich, and Rich Gloria has a home ballroom. <laughs> like, these people in River Heights are, like, rich, rich. Yes. Yeah. So here's my follow-up question to that. Okay. If you're so rich that you have a home ballroom... Why are you throwing people's coats on a bed? I wondered that, too. I was like, this seems odd to me. Thank you. That you would do such a thing. Also, there are multiple mentions of later parties in this town where we know all of the previous masquerade parties have been robbed. And they're like, I didn't want people guarding the doors. It's just so tacky. And then they're like real mad that their one of a kind $8 million painting got stolen. And I'm like, wow, I clearly don't know how the other half live. I I do not understand rich people. (laughs) No, I don't either. (sighs) Um, Okay. You already teased one or two of these. You teased the carrot, (laughs) a couple of these (laughs) to borrow a phrase from you. Um, Are there any, it would have been awesome if edits, that you would yes. like to propose for this novel. Yes. Please share. And I'm going to keep them brief. Okay. But I have three of them. Oh. So so number one, I don't really know how to fix this problem, but robbing Taylor's department store at the end of the book seems like a pretty big deviation from robbing parties. Agreed. So I'm not entirely sure how to fix it, but I do want to fix the MO. Like we, we need to set the, the big final showdown does need to be at a party. Um, it maybe is a party that is like for the, maybe it should be like a retirement party for the owner of Taylor's. And it was supposed to be at his house, but at the last minute they have to move it to the apartment store because of like a flood in the basement. And I'm thinking what bandits now. And that's how, why we wind up at Taylor's apartment store or something. But like it needs, there needs to be a party element. Completely agree. End of rant. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I don't like that we have created yeah. a pattern here that was actually mm-hmm. very enjoyable. Yes. And then we have thrown it away on the last date of known heists. Correct. Yep. With um, you. Okay, so next. I am not, like, a master mystery solver. False. But That's a lie. It, it's not a lie. You Every but time I, you're reading a mystery book that I have already read, and I'm like, you're going to love this one, you read the first chapter and you're like, Here's who did it, and here's why they did it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> never recommending a mystery to you again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but that being said, like, did you figure out in the first chapter that it was Mr. Tombar? Mm-hmm. It was not subtle. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so here, here's what I would have liked to have seen happen. We keep everything entirely the same, right? But... It's actually, we, we find out at the end that it's actually not Tombar, who's the inside man at the event planning par- company. It's actually Linda Seely. I would have loved that. I wanted yes. Nancy's friend to be the bad guy. Me too. I wanted her to, I, I wanted there to be, I wanted it to be a little more complicated and that Linda was like, using people's preconceived notions about like this big gruff like criminal looking dude um 
who's very dedicated to his job and therefore going to be at every event where this where these crimes happen and she's essentially framing it framing him to make it look like it was him while all along she's behind the scenes doing this like innocent schoolgirl thing mm-hmm. and Nancy is not the wiser like I love the idea of Nancy getting taken in by somebody that she trusts like I just want her to have a little bit of moment of like maybe I've been too naive you know we've had that moment before in several of these books where we have kind of wanted to see Nancy make a mistake like that mm-hmm like a little bit of a double cross. I've taken someone into my trust who, because uh-huh. John McBride, classic there example. I thought he was the bad mm-hmm. guy the entire time. Mm-hmm. And it would have been more interesting if he had. It been. would have been such a good twist if handsome John mm-hmm. McBride was in fact uh, the criminal. And I mean, I'm so glad it wasn't, but anyway. Okay. Same. So that's, that's my next one. Okay. Par- partially too. And I'll just say this, like this whole like criminal element from out of town is getting boring. I agree. It would be much more interesting if the criminal element were personal. Hannah Gruen. Sure. Arsonist. George. Local arsonist. <laughs> George. Serial killer. <gasps> Could be. I'm jotting down notes for our... Yeah. Bess. Movie debut. Poisoner. Bess. She would. Oh, yeah. baked goods. Yeah. It'll She's really the Mrs. Lovett of River Heights. <laughs> Okay, so so that's that's next suggestion. Number three. One of my big like annoyances in this was that this this velvet mask that Nancy picks up out of the first crime scene becomes this big clue because they have sewn secret codes into the lining of this mask. Like rather than write down the dates in a journal, they're like, you know, it would be better. We're going to write them on this piece of paper in code, and then we're going to unpick part of the lining of this mask, and we're going to stick them in there. And then later, when you get back to your hotel room, you can, like, write them down on your hand. Like, it makes no sense. Who does that, right? Um, I will say, though, what would have made it awesome is if Nancy had discovered the missing code hidden inside the mask before the criminals realized the mask was gone. And she figures out the code and is able to replace it with a fake code and return the mask to the criminals and lure them into a trap. (gasps) Snap. That's a dramatic improvement. Right? Yeah. Yep. I would have been better. Fully. I'm fully in. Yeah. That concludes my section. Do you have anything? Sorry. Go on. I'm really impressed. I'm super impressed. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate your kudos. I did my best. Do you have anything to add to Nancy's never-ending resume? I do. I thought you might. I have three items for you. Please tell me. Numero uno. On the spot, day of office manager. Mm Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like she maybe did a bad job at it, too. Oh, she did not do a good job. Which I appreciated because I have been an office manager, and that is a lot of work. You have to be... A jack of all trades to successfully yes. office manage. And she's just I'm like. I'm sure you were amazing at it. She's like, I'm just going to go do this at the costume place, at the, par- the party yeah. planning company. And then she gets there and she's like, this is so hard. I have to like, this is different than what I did. But there's like filing and financial things and answering the phone and 
stocking things and dealing with human beings that have petty grievances about what kind of coffee you've put in the office. I'm sorry. Was that, was that out loud? Okay. Um, well, what, are we still talking about Nancy Drew? Sorry, I got a little, you having a flashback? Got a little sweaty there. Um, anyway, she is an office manager and she walks away with mad respect for dealing with the whimsical needs of the general public, which I was like, nice way to put it heard whimsical needs that's a really nice way to say dealing with a bunch of babies in the office nailed it um she's also a coat clerk for a day yeah i think she does a decent job of that until she steals stuff out of people's pockets yeah and the she has a a co-worker in the the coat clerking room where they're hanging the clothes Mm -hmm. named like helga i think and I think she was a Helga. Helga gets real irritated, which I would too, because Nancy successfully coat clerks during the collecting of the coats, but we're and ditches are. about to get to peak coat clerking hour where everyone's going to come <laughs> back for their coats, which is arguably the hardest part of the job. Absolutely. Is all these people they are... Co- they, come in, they come in staggered and they leave together. Yeah, and they're all drunk now and they're like yeah. in a hurry. They're like, my Uber's outside. My Uber's here. Well, I don't even remember what I wore tonight. I think it was one of these things. They all look the same, you know. And so we're getting to coat clerking. Why is there this girl wrapped up in my North Face jacket? Right. And right as the people start coming to collect their coats, Nancy's like, Helga, you're on your own now. I have a mystery to solve. And just bails. (laughs) And Helga Helga. is displeased, which I would have been as well. She was like, you know what? I'm going to bounce. I don't need this job. Yeah. This was all a fluke anyway. It was like me at Waffle House. She's like, I am so unhappy. I'm not even going to collect this paycheck. So, Man, Karen, you can't tell that story on this podcast, but it's a good one, y'all. We'll talk about that another time. Uh, Maybe Um, that's a Patreon story. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's Patreon after dark. After dark. (laughs) PG-13. I had an experience working at Waffle House briefly. Meg Murph, if you're (laughs) listening... You should be on that episode and help me tell it because yeah. you were there for the journey. Do you still have that outfit? I do. I still have oh, my waffle you house. Can wear it. You I. Can you know what? It. Actually, I've worn that for Halloween before. That's a great. costume. Maybe that's my favorite costume. There you go. Nancy's final resume item. I put Master of Escape, specifically a la Harry Houdini, mm. because mm-hmm. she is tied up. Bess is tied up. She says multiple times it is tied so tight and so well that there is not a snowball's chance in hell I am going to be able to finagle my way out of this. She has to do that thing that you see in movies where she finds like a sharp a sharp thing nearby. Yeah. And slowly saws through her bonds. Yeah. It's Did you the the worst part about that for me reading it, I was like, I would not be able to do that. Like no. she does her she does her ankle ropes first. And I'm like, that's just like reverse setups. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, that, like they make me do that in the gym. You are so correct. You're so correct. And yeah. then like when she finally gets no. to Bess, Bess has been tied up so long and so tight that she's like, I can't even walk. My whole body yeah. is numb. And I'm like, terrible. So I that yeah. was probably my most impressive good. feat that she accomplished during this. It, it, not since scaling the walls of the cistern at... Lark's Berlin, have I been more impressed with an escape feat? Using a single nail is a grappling hook. Correct. Yeah. That was amazing. All right. Nancy's resume is complete. Before we rate this book, do you have any open questions about what I we do, read? I do, in fact. I have one question. Ask me. And then I'm going to partially answer it. 
So my open question was, what the HE double hockey sticks is an atom bomb toy set? (gasps) I wondered that too. So when they get tied up and locked in the loading dock at Taylor's at the end of the book. Shipping and receiving. Shipping and receiving. Uh, Nancy gets free. She unties Bess. Then they start, like, looking through the boxes of merchandise to see if there's, like, something that can help them escape. And Nancy discovers a box of toys in which is the chemistry set that she ultimately uses to, like, you to, to make smoke, to, you know, to, to lure somebody out there. Um, however, one of the other toys in the box is an atom bomb toy set. <laughs> I saw and that I was like, was like oh. <laughs> what in the 1950s, like, lawn darts nonsense is this? That was the, exactly the reference that crossed my mind. I was like, this feels dangerous yeah. and yeah. not. And it potentially was. <gasps> so I found two references to atomic bomb toys. And um, I have the links here. I'm going to open them really fast. The first one, the first one was something I could imagine our father playing with. Um, it it basically looks like a little toy rocket, but it's an atomic bomb. I mean, it's so bad. Um, but they had some kind of like um, like a snapping cap on the end of them, so you would throw the atomic bomb onto the floor and it would like snap. Right? That was all it was. Comma, there was a second one sold in the 1950s that was luckily extremely expensive, so not many people bought it for their kids because it was like $50 at the time. Um, But it actually had uranium ore in it. What? And yeah, um, kids who were lucky enough to have wealthy parents in the early 50s had the unprecedented chance to play with uranium ore in this very cool science kit. it came with four different types of uranium ore, a Geiger counter, a miniature cloud chamber, an electroscope, etc., um, and an educational comic book called "Learn How Dagwood Splits the Atom." Stop Kids could it. Perform their own experiments at home to discover the secrets of radioactive materials and learn how they made clean, safe atomic energy. I cannot. I mean, I'm looking at the picture of this that you linked, and I my jaw mm-hmm. is on the floor. Yeah. Does this ever make you wonder what things we are doing that are equivalent to yes. this right now that yes. are this all the time this stupid? Uh huh. Well, absolutely. It's like iPhones, you know, the people who are like. Anyway, I'm. Not that, that's like exactly what it's going to be like. They're like, can can you believe that they just like held these things up to their faces for 60 years you know (laughs) oh god this is nuts okay we should post pictures of this toy because done i'll I'll post it with the with the episode release on instagram so um did you have any open questions i did it's like a psychological question one could Mm, say i love if they were being aggrandizing about the simplicity of my question George gets swooped by these people. She is drugged. And then we learn that, like, they have clearly threatened her and said, like, if you tell anybody about this, we're going to kill you and your family and Bess's family and Nancy and Nancy's family and stuff. (laughs) And for some reason, George, like, really believes that and takes it to heart to the point that she is direct, quote, paralyzed with fear. And she won't just say that. 
to Nancy. Right. She's like, you have to stop. You have to stop. You have to stop. You can't sleuth anymore. Just leave this case. Leave this case. And Nancy's like, but why? And George is like, I can't say. It's too scary. And I don't understand. I I just really find it hard to believe that she wouldn't just be like, they're going to kill us all, Nancy. Like, Same. They didn't also. Yeah. I, I wanted the threat to be better. Yes, like, like, because they've they've gotten threatened like this four times a book for 30 books now. That's why I didn't And nobody's get ever... It. Yeah. Right. Like, did they have some dirt on George? Or some mm-hmm. dirt on, like, the Fane family's bad investments that are going to ruin River Heights? You know, like... It, See, so, yes. There wasn't yes. enough... See, you should have done... A, it would have been awesome if... I guess I kind of am. I... Yeah. I don't feel like I'm a master sleuth like you, so I, I disguised no, my it would have been awesome if as an open question. But <laughs> but I think I think you got there in the end. I'm in total agreement with you. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm feeling like really proud of myself right now. <laughs> you should be Karen. You should be you should always be proud of yourself. That You're is a sweet baby angel. A wangel? You're you are the wangeliest of wangels. If y'all haven't listened to the episode about the wangels, they are bad guys. At wangles. You the Wangles can tell us what how you think it's pronounced, audience. <laughs> <laughs> the Wangels, Wangel, <laughs> Wangel. Oh my gosh, Karen. Um, well, have we? Are we gonna rate it? I think we should rate the book. All right, great. This week, are you ready? I yes. We are rating the clue of the velvet mask out of a twelve possible slippery rascals. <laughs> Which I'm not sure how I'm going to illustrate that, but... It's a direct quote from the rascals. book, so that's what it had to be. Yes. It had to be that, no, for sure. So what what is your rating? I'm going to give this... I think before we talked, I would have given it an 8 out of 12 Slippery Rascals. But given okay. our MFA level discussion of the literary <laughs> merits of this book, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 12 Slippery <gasps> no way. Rascals. All right, defend your answer. I wrote, I really loved Please. the Velvet Bandits. Same. I also enjoyed. <laughs> I enjoyed. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> I did. I enjoyed that the Clue Crew got kind of like split up, and they had yeah. to do things solo or from different angles or in different like permutations of the Clue Crew because like George was out of the picture, yes. and then you know that was like pretty cool because yeah. usually they just like blast in in like a big messy pile of people, <laughs> and that perfectly stayed is annoying. So I loved that. Um, I minus three slippery subtracted that's what i meant to say i subtracted (laughs) three (laughs) slippery rascals because exactly what you said the guy we thought was the bad guy from the very beginning ended up being the bad guy (laughs) yes it was him i was like okay (laughs) (laughs) could have saved myself 20 chapters of this book it was mr tombar all along but you know yolo what is your rating of this book um, Karen, you are not going to believe it, but I also gave it 9 out of 12 Slippery Rascals. Stop it. Yes, I love the commitment to the cause with the Velvet Rascals. Um, <laughs> the Velvet Rascals. I, I, I gave it minus 5 for just really bad decision making and also not listening to the voice of the reason, a.k.a. Bass. Yeah, yep. Um, I gave it back to Slippery Rascals for saving ourselves from the loading dock. Yes. Uh, which gets us to nine, if my math is correct. And in conclusion, should there be a drink called the Slippery Rascal? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, great. Oh, my gosh. Kelly. What? We come up with so many business ideas. Add this to the list. 
we've talked about, you know, Nancy Drew and cookbooks. We have gotten a lot of great DMs from our listeners about the Nancy Drew cookbook and Nancy Drew related food. We love you all. Yes. What if we make, to your point, bartending with Nancy Drew? Mm. I'm down. Drink one, the slippery rascal. Oh, and each one could be our rating scale. <laughs> one could be like That's a, perfect. the gorilla mask, for example. Yes. No, I'm oh, saying. what would a gorilla mask be? It would have to have something with licorice. You can't say it on the podcast. People have to buy the book and find out. <laughs> all right. I love this idea. I'm totally <laughs> in it. Um, all right. Well, Karen, thus, what are we reading next week? Thus we conclude. Yes. So next week we are reading number 31, Nancy Drew it. and the Ringmaster's Secret. Mm, like Which, a circus? Yes, like a circus, kind of like in the Ivory Charm where we had a circus situation. Yes, and we did. I'm still holding Wasn't out. Wasn't that where there was the big tent with the, was that the tight tightrope walking tent? Correct. Mm, yes. I like that. And the one. child searching for their parents and... An elephant? I'm Definitely an elephant. I'm still holding out hope for an evil magician, which I haven't gotten yet in this series. It's coming, though. I feel it. It could be my time. could be your time to shine. Um, oh, it's my turn. Um, so <laughs> if you would do us a solid, if you haven't already, if you would please rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend. And if you're on Instagram, please find us on IG at It's a Clue Podcast. And if you are so inclined, you can become a Helen Corning friend on Patreon, which is a bestie of the show. We will give you a shout out on the show when you become a patron and you get to vote to select super sleuth titles. And, you know, Kelly said in this episode that we're going to start doing, you know, some Patreon content behind yeah. the scenes. So <laughs> that could also be yours. <laughs> um, Don't want to miss that. <laughs> oh, also this week, huge thanks to Cindy, Calvin, and Melissa for becoming patrons of the show. Welcome to the Bestie Club. We love you so much. Thanks Yay, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And Karen, remember what we learned today in Nancy Drew and the clue of the velvet mask. Please tell me. Velvet balaclavas are not actually masquerade mm. They're just straight up robbery. Yes. So to blend in at your ne- next masquerade ball slash criminal endeavor, go with something less on the nose. Kelly, I didn't think I was going to remember, but I do. And with that, Happy Happy snooping! snooping. (laughs) (laughs) We did it! It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at IamCourtneyKyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. It is